This is the Retail Politics Podcast. Here we strive to give you the best political information about your nation. One download at a time. Here's your host, former congressional correspondent and award-winning reporter, Jerry Shields. Thank you for once again spending 30 minutes of your precious time with us as today we talk about the politics of the Nobel Peace Prize. The Norwegian Prize Committee recently gave the award to two journalists, Dmitry Martov, a Moscow newspaper editor in Russia, and journalist Maria Reza of the Philippines for their efforts to safeguard the freedom of expression. The committee seemed to be sending a message of support to journalists around the world where our authoritarian governments are increasingly cracking down on the media, uh, shutting down news agencies, jailing journalists, and sending them into exile in what has become a global war on words. Our guest today is Alex Mahadevan of the Pointer Institute of Journalism research and teaching facility here in St. Petersburg, Florida, that is working with journalists around the world, teaching them how to cover governments trying to repress the media. Hello, Alex. Hey, Jerry. Happy to be here. Uh, thanks for going, coming on. So you, this uh, award, which was kind of interesting, um, they've never get, they've given it only to journalists three times in their 126-year history. The last time was in 1935 when reporters were cracking down on Nazism. So this is a pretty big, um, pretty big um, award and uh, recognition. And this was satisfying to you. Tell us why. Well, uh, for one, uh, you mentioned Maria Reza. Um, you know, her, her, her organization, Rappler, is a signatory of the International Fact Checking Network. Now, that is uh, based out of the Pointer Institute. And as, you know, a, a, a member of the Pointer Institute working for MediaWise, I do a lot of work with IFCN, international fact checkers and journalists. So I was, I was just uh, extremely excited personally. But you know, my putting my ego aside and, and trying to uh, uh, <laughs> ride their coattails. This is it's really a recognition of the work of journalists and fact checkers who are um, they're trying to beat back those who want to destroy democracy. You know, Maria was arrested and and still faces charges for fact checking and writing about you know Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte and uh, uh, Dimitri had friends and colleagues who were assassinated by the Russian state, but he's always remained a champion for the pre free press. Um, there really is, there, there's just a, a legitimately, there's a war over the truth happening right now across the world. And I, I don't want to sound alarmist or anything, um, but autocrats are, are, they're trying to fight free expression and uh, you know, they're, they're trying to live in these alternate realities. So I think the Nobel uh, committee really sent a message with this. So, yeah, you were saying um, six um, reporters slain, uh, members of uh, Dimitri's um, organization. Um, there's a rise in persecutions. And even in the award, uh, Vladimir Putin, the Russian head, uh, said that Muratov will use the prize uh, as credibility to violate the law. But you and I had been talking. You said this is really on the rise all around the world. It is. It, it really is. You know, I mean, I, I will say, you know, as a caveat, first and foremost, autocrats and fascists and anti-democratic leaders have always persecuted journalists. If there's something that they don't like, it's the truth. 
And so they've always persecuted journalists. But given that um, we're in the, the modern age, you know, it's 2021, the fact that we're seeing a slide away from democratic behavior from leaders around the world is pretty scary. Um, you know, I, I think it, at this point, it's almost every day that I see something, um, you know, come out from someone like Duterte in the Philippines or Jared Bolsonaro in Brazil, um, you know, some sort of mis or disinformation they're spreading or um, the, the, the attempt to crack down on journalists. I mean, the things that Bolsonaro in Brazil has said to fact checkers and journalists there are just ghastly, you know, and, 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 and these are autocrats. What they do is they have this, they build this cult of personality and they, they have this following. So, you know, it's not like Bolsonaro or his administration is, is physically going to go after journalists, but I'll tell you what, his followers will. And, uh, you know, you have, you have, or, uh, Victor Orban in Hungary, Duda in Poland. It's just, I feel like every day I'm learning about a new ruler cracking down on journalists. What do you think that's happening? Why do you think it's uh, kind of on the rise around the world? I mean, that's a that's a good question. I I, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I think I think part of it is uh, it's really populism. Uh, we're seeing populism on the rise, and I think partly to blame are some fallout from globalization. You're seeing um, the rise of income inequality in, in in countries across the world, and what what that leaves open is it opens the door for populist leaders to come in and say, hey, things are bad right now. You know, I mean, you you can't afford your next meal. Meal, I will come in and I will fix things. And and it, it just the the suspension of the truth happens and that, that gives them the opening to come in and, and take over. So I don't want to blame it all on globalism globalization, but uh, uh I think that that could be part of it. And there's been a big move, I think um you see it in France and you'll see it in Germany in terms of candidates that are conservative. Um a lot of protests of immigration um, in Europe, people saying, hey, we don't want Middle Easterns and Easterners in here and we got to crack down on this. Um, and um, we've seen that here in the United States, um, you know, public trust in American media is at near record lows. Um, there's been a rise in hostility toward it. Uh, former President Donald Trump called the American media the enemy of the people. Has that bled? Has that global um you know, movement against the press bled into America, do you think? It it really has. You know, I, I didn't think I'd see it in my lifetime, but I, I want to take you back to the January 6th insurrection at the state, you know, at the, at the Capitol. Um, there were people smashing uh, cameras and other media equipment. There were journalists assaulted. And, uh, you know, one image that sticks in my head that I, I think about quite a bit was someone scrawled on one of the doors, murder the media. Wow. And, um, you know, that that's something that stuck with me. I mean, I, I've seen guys walking around with shirts that say defund the media. It's um, mm. it, it really has blood over into the U.S. And, and I think, you know, I think most people would call Donald Trump a populist. I mean, I think he did run saying, hey, I'm going to make it better for you. And there are people out there who have felt um, I guess, betrayed by the government and the factories that closed and kind of the, um, you know, the angry working class who, who don't think they um, have a voice. Now, tell us a little bit about the countries you worked with, um, you know, trying to help them um, get a better handle on their um, 
on their coverage. So I have, uh, it's been all over the place. Actually, just just today, um, I attended the Global Fact Conference, which was made up of journalists from all around the world trying to learn how to better fact check um, the leaders of their countries. But I've personally trained a group of journalists from Iran, um, of not, of course, not inside Iran because they, many of them, you know, would be jailed if they were in Iran. So, um, I trained Iranian journalists, Tunisian and Libyan journalists. Um, I, we've had a whole ton of interest from Eastern Europe, um, for training in this, you know, Ukraine, Lithuania, Georgia, Serbia, Turkey, um, there is just a, a lot of interest around the world and learning how to better verify and debunk a lot of the things that leaders are saying. And what kind of things do you advise them? What do you, what do you teach them? What do you advise them? So, uh, I have, I, I, I run through a lot of different fact checking tools that, that we use. Cause really the, the main way to keep a, um, you know, a, a government in check and speak truth to power nowadays is just classic fact checking. And so, you know, I, I teach how to um, do reverse image searches, to look at source code behind websites, to try to figure out who's actually spreading this message, um, seeing if images have been manipulated, um, looking up and finding databases that can disprove what uh, say, you know, uh, the Supreme leader in Iran is saying about the economy. Well, I can tell you how to go to a database and, and disprove that. So um, teaching them a lot of fact-checking tools, how to pick and choose what they should focus on, you know? I mean, because the, the thing about autocrats is that they're very good at putting ideas out there and not really making, you know, statements that you can fact-check. So, so a lot of it is rhetoric. Um, they, they're able to sort of talk their way around it. I'm sure you've heard... There, you know, there are people who say, oh, I'm just asking questions. So teaching them how to pick and choose what they can do and what they can write about is a big part of that as well. They're also really interested in, um, I'm not so much an expert in this, but I, there's a lot of interest in um, uh, uh, legal issues. And, you know, I'm from the, we're from the U.S., so I'm used to the First Amendment, but um, there, there are controls around speech that are different from country to country. So there's a lot of interest in that. Social media, and, and we we have it here, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but social media has changed the game in, in all over the world. And um, how are you um, how are you dealing, how are they dealing with the social media and the explosion of social media? Well, it's, um, I mean, it, it it's very difficult. Uh, you know, 99% of what I am teaching uh, when I'm when I'm training journalists around the world is identifying false information and rooting out who's spreading misinformation on social media on um, Facebook on Twitter on um, uh, telegram and whatsapp whatsapp is a is is a big place for this being spread so um, journalists you know they it's sort of like a, um, you know death by a thousand cuts first, you know, first uh, uh, social media started snipping away at our ad revenue, and um, then it uh, then it sort of became a place where people could come and be their quote unquote own journalist, and 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 now it's become a place where um, millions of you know hundreds of millions of people are are just constantly spreading many times by mistake falsehoods, and um, 
So it's made our jobs and it's made their jobs a whole heck of a lot more difficult. And it's kind of interesting because we had the protests in Cuba recently and social media really helped organize the protesters. They were able to, you know, and I think in the past we had a professor on saying, you know, you know, you organize in one city and you're, you know, Santiago or Havana. But with social media, they could they could get the organization started through the whole country. And then, of course, Cuba shut down the social media. Um, Our countries also doing that around the world, just cutting off the social media access. Yeah. So you brought up a lot of great points there, Jerry. So for, first, I can't, I can't just sit here and trash social media. You know, I mean, it, it, uh, it is a very powerful tool for organizers who are, are trying to um, fight for justice. It's a great tool for journalists. Um, we're able to connect with people who are organizing and, uh, um, you know, make sure we're covering communities who aren't generally covered by the media. Um, so it is a place where, um, there is a lot of good and, and, you know, free expression, expression reigns and it's not, you know, I mean, I, I think it gets a lot of heat, but it really is a place where, um, people who generally haven't been able to be heard can be heard. And now, um, taking it back to the second part of your question, that can be a threat. Um, so the first thing I was thinking about, um, was the coup in Myanmar that happened, um, there was an internet blackout and nobody could get any information um, during and, and immediately after that. And that that allows um, governments who are in control to sort of clamp down on that flow of information because, you know, I mean, d- people get their news from WhatsApp in, in other countries, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so you shut down WhatsApp, you shut down access to, to news and what's going on. So you're really putting a blindfold on them is what you're doing. I mean, you know, in the Myanmar situation, the people were, you know, they want to know how their families do it. They want to know how to, and, and they've put, you know, by shutting down social media, you really put a, a blindfold on, on the situation. But we have that issue here and you're doing a little work here in America. We talk about, and Donald Trump coined the phrase false news. Um, it could be used in, in various things, but one of the things that um, where it is used is on social media. And, and again, the, the your organization and some people are are trying to teach people how to check their sources on what they're receiving. And we had a a person on from um, Stony Brook and he was saying one of the biggest offenders were senior citizens. And that was very fascinating to us, but you're actually working with AARP and a former broadcaster, Joan London. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, a lot of what we just talked about is, you know, uh, how journalists can be can can be better about fighting back undemocratic behavior. Um, but what we do at MediaWise is try to empower citizens to get better at fighting back undemocratic behavior, and and the key to that is being conscious consumers of online information and being able to separate fact from fiction on their own. Um, so media-wise, the the secret sauce is teaching people to think like a fact checker and be able to understand what they see like a fact checker. So, um, you know, at the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we realized uh, we originally started with teens in mind, but during the coronavirus pandemic, we realized the senior citizen um, demographic was uniquely, uniquely 
um, threatened by both the pandemic and misinformation. So we we threw together a, a program supported by uh, we partnered with AARP, support from uh, Facebook, and we created um, some online uh, um, courses that older adults could take to help them become fact checkers on their own. We did some virtual trainings. Uh, Stanford even studied our course and found that um, people who took it were uh, uh, leaps and bounds better at separating real and false headlines. So the idea is to uh, to get right to the source and cut off misinformation before it can spread into communities. And it was kind of funny because um, the, the professor was telling us that, that basically, you know, the daughters and sons of the parents have to show them that, hey, you can't send this stuff along. <laughs> you can't just, you know, forward everything. You really should check because that's what happens, you know. So um, um, so governments using social media as propaganda tools, too. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So um, I hate to keep bringing up Duterte, but d- seeing as uh, Maria Reza won the Nobel, I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's it's apropos. So, you know, Duterte was was elected on a wave of misinformation and then he has just been a constant disinformer. Um, I mean, the, the uh, disinformation I can think of off the top of my head was um, he was he was trying to give, you know, a guerrilla leader during World War II um, a, a, a very special burial that would have um, been uh, um, inappropriate. Uh, but really, the drug wars, he spread lots of misinformation about the drug wars um, in the Philippines that uh, uh, has led to a, a lot of harm. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it is it, it is a, a, a tool that, I mean, in this very country, um, the president, the former president of the United States, used his Twitter as a yeah, as a example. you know as yeah. as a microphone. <laughs> great example, right? Uh, <laughs> and that was taken away from him, and that was a that was a very interesting um, development. Um, and that's not something that's probably going to happen in a Philippines or a Myanmar. No, no. We had some uh, journalists from Moldova, which was part of the Soviet Union there, and they came over to study our, um, our our press. And I remember it was a Thanksgiving night, and I brought them a bottle of Southern Comfort because um, they they tended to like to have a, a drink now and then. And uh, anyway, they uh, at the end of the night, we were sitting around just playing some music, and they started singing a rebel song from Moldova, and they were singing it very quietly. And this one guy stood up and he said, hey, we don't have to sing it quietly here, you know, and they started loud. And I thought, well, we, we did teach them something, you know, that, but we, we have some press freedoms here that other countries do not have. Um, and um, that is one of the things that makes um, America, I guess, the most admired democracy in the country. But um, are these threatening some of our press freedoms? Uh, do you mean... I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. It yeah. Is. So I mean, the, the crackdown on the media, the 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 you know making the media the enemy, um, is that does that, I guess, threaten to erode that uh, that First Amendment, um, you know, right that we have. It it does. It 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 really does. And you know, honestly, this is where the um, problem with misinformation in the tech world gets a little hairy in this country. Um, because there are there are proposals out there to regulate some of the things that are said on on Facebook, you know. Mm-hmm. So if uh, mm-hmm. your aunt shares 
you know, disinformation or she shares misinformation, um, there is a push, you know, should that be taken down? And should there be a law? Should there be a law that says Facebook has to take certain posts down? And, you know, um, that's troubling because anything that cuts at free speech, even if it's the most heinous um, disinformation you can imagine, it's something that scares us a little bit. So what we're trying to do is trying to find sort of a, a balance. And, you know, I mean, there's, uh, I was just hearing today at the Global Fact panel that, we don't want laws that limit any sort of speech on on these tech platforms, but maybe we regulate the algorithms, you know, the the little dials that show, you know, show people what what they see on their newsfeed. Maybe that maybe we regulate that. Um, so that's a really good point. And um, I mean, uh, I think really the the biggest threat to the First Amendment is the the newspaper industry is just um, it is has been suffering and it's been in, in decline. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I would attribute to the, the rise to a lot of, um, you know, these populist leaders to a lack of news coverage. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, here in the U S it's just, just the industry is just in, in decline. Well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the regulating of the speech and, and the whole Twitter thing with, you know, taking Twitter away from Trump um, is a very serious move. And I guess the question is, who who gets the right to do that? Um, and, and in doing that, are we are we um, infringing on free speech, even his free speech um, opportunities? But, you know, people were saying in doing that, look, the guy was promoting revolution in a way um and someone has got to do that but who gets the chance who 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 do you, who gets the chance to regulate that i mean you're talking like hey is there should we have a, i don't know an agency or a, and that, i guess that takes us into what some of the other foreign governments do yeah no that that's a that's a really good point and actually there was uh, someone had um i i think maybe the biden administration might have floated the idea of a um, de- some sort of department of misinformation. And um, it did get some pushback because you never know what that's going to be spun into. And the regulation of information is just, um, it's its a hard line to walk. So for example, like you said, who who gets to decide? That's thats really what what a, a huge company like Facebook is trying to figure out. So they, they've, they're, they've really tried to um, outsource a lot of the um, work in this. They, uh, Zuckerberg famously said, we don't want to be the arbiters of truth. So, mm-hmm. um, they, so m- signatories of the international fact checking network, they're the ones who rate things on Facebook, which then they, you know, they, but then Facebook also created this oversight board and the oversight board is, um, uh, you know, ostensibly, independent and it's the one that upheld the decision to keep um trump off of facebook so talking about facebook now um so it is uh who who gets to decide is going to be a a a big question this is why um for fact checkers in you know in like uh uh so i had a a good a great colleague um uh who's a fact checker in in brazil and um, she she was always worried that someone like Bolsonaro might say, okay, well, I'm cracking down on fake news. You're not allowed to post fake news. But who says what fake news is? And he might say, you know, that you are um, uh, Lupa. Lupa <laughs> I the say fact what fake agent. news is and yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, so you bring up a great point that I think something we're all going to have to reckon with um, soon. 
Yeah, and um, so as you as you're doing this, what are the if, if I say what are the three most important things that you teach to these journalists in these um, in these you know countries where uh, they're being oppressed? Well, uh, the main thing I teach is to be transparent. Transparency is key because um, I think what undemocratic leaders try to do is they try to cast doubt on your reporting. And if you're extremely transparent and you walk a reader through, here's how I did, here's how I found this information. Here's the database. Here's the link to it. Here is, uh, here is all the code that I wrote to get that database. If you're very transparent, um, then that is very important. Um, I try to tell them to get creative with how they present their articles and, and fact checking because, um, like I said earlier, people aren't, don't read the news. They don't read websites as much. They they look at things on on WhatsApp. So I've seen some really cool work with fact checkers doing these like WhatsApp chat bots, and and people on WhatsApp can like you know send a message and say, "Is this true?" And, and then they get a, a fact check back. And, um, you know, uh, uh, the biggest thing that I would say, and, and it's, and it's something I try to encourage with reporters here in the U S is, um, you know, reach out to other news organizations, reach out to other reporters and try to lean on each other and try to collaborate. You know, I think the future of journalism in the U S and what I'm seeing really abroad is collaboration. I think that's how we're going to survive. I think that's how the truth is going to survive and beat back these undemocratic leaders is, um, transparency, um, leveraging new platforms and collaborating. Yeah. I kind of remember a few, <laughs> a few politicians who tried to, uh, you know, discredit a few of my stories, but, uh, that's kind of been around for a long time and that's politics and that's campaigning. But yes, I, I think you're right. There is a, um, there is a, uh, there is a line, there is a line that you cross. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking about this uh, with us. It's a very important issue. I think this, uh, decision by the Nobel prize committee was uh, very, very interesting. And, and, you know, most of the times it goes to, you know, great leaders of countries, but um, really was a strong statement and and not in, only in support, but it's a statement of danger of what's happening out there. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, explaining it for us. Well, it, it's been really great talking with you and you, I, you, you left with some really great points and some really good things for your listeners to think about. Thank you, Alex. And we will be back next week with another thrilling edition of the Retail Politics Podcast. Until then, always remember, read beyond the headlines. Have a great week. With the front row, award-winning reporter Gerard Shields takes you into the vanishing world of print news to a time when stories were reported, not invented or twisted. Imagine you have press credentials in the front row with Shields throughout his decades-long newspaper career covering political corruption, scandal, and heroics during the critical events of our time. With dozens of Amazon five-star reviews, Shields' latest work, The Front Row, is a passionate study of American journalism while delivering his own invaluable life lessons. The Front Row by Gerard Shields. Available now at Amazon.com.